0: My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling. But eventually he thought, While it's true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? gospel of the Lord. Amen. English grandmother arrested for praying how the rosary became an extremist symbol were just two headlines that have, in recent weeks, been going viral. Having been duped before by what's called clickbait, where something is portrayed in a particular way to exploit people's outrage or their curiosity, it's understandable to wonder, what's the rest of the story? Was the grandmother actually a drug mule who was arrested for carrying fentanyl as she was praying? Perhaps there was some hate group targeting non-Christians with threats directed at them that if they didn't convert and using the rosary beads as a sign of intimidation. But neither of those were the case. 76-year-old Rosa Lawler, who lives in Liverpool, England, in February 2021, during the country's COVID lockdowns, was questioned by a policeman as to why she was outdoors. And when she explained she was walking and praying, the officer determined that was not a reasonable excuse. And so she was then arrested, detained, and fined. The Atlantic Magazine's article on the rosary went viral so quickly and had enough people pointing out not only how incredibly offensive and factually incorrect the headlines were, at one point, there was a, a subheadline that called the rosary sacrament, which one commentator pointed out, even an ex-Catholic who made it through third grade would have caught this one. There are seven sacraments, and the rosary is not one of them. So obviously, they didn't have even the most nominal of Catholics on staff to even overlook the article. They took the somewhat unprecedented move to change that headline twice to what they felt was a more acceptable headline of, how gun culture co-opted the rosary. They also had to drop their commissions graphic, which depicted the prayer beads as bullet holes, to just a simple standard image of this beloved devotional. All that aside, just going through the piece itself, a reader can recognize how the author was, pun intended, triggered when he saw someplace online a, a picture of a firearm with a rosary He then went about trying to do everything from portraying the usage of the rosary as being militaristic, aligning it with different political movements, and then calling people who happen to believe that life begins at conception, that is horrified at the assaults on the life in the womb, including up to nine months, calling those people fringe and extremists. The article was to put it charitably, a piece of trash that was infuriating on multiple levels that it's taking a few weeks for me to calmly revisit it. But in revisiting it, in coupling with that story of the grandmother arrested, among other similar stories that are happening here in the United States and Canada, the question that came to mind is, why are we seeing more and more people threatened by prayer? Up until recently, it was pretty standard to see negative reactions to prayer. Those who would mock prayers whenever someone expressed that they were offering them in response to a tragedy. There were incidents where someone claimed to be offended that prayers were being made by coaches or players on athletic fields or when a celebrity was using their fame to promote prayer. There were controversies surrounding the banning of prayers from public school graduation ceremonies the ultimate of ironies being done in the name of inclusion but as of late we seem to have this shift where you can hear and see people who feel threatened by prayer and are aggressively attacking those who do pray and that can come as a surprise to a lot of people especially those of us who are believers who do pray and if we're surprised that people are threatened by prayer then it's probably good to reflect on what's that all about. Why are prayers and why is the rosary threatening? Because it's not uncommon to see those who haven't even darkened the door of a church or actually said the prayers of a rosary, wearing them when having them even tattooed on themselves, perhaps seeing it or treating it as a good luck charm, if God is listening or even exists. Or treating it as a connection to their family and their culture and their heritage. Some treat prayers as a a form of meditation. That's something you do to calm yourself down, reduce your anxiety. And we've had all kinds of public figures and television preachers talking about prayer as this, this type of power of positive thinking thing. Where you can manifest good things in your life. They call it the power of attraction where you just put out there to the universe, to God, whatever, and he makes it possible, or as Oprah Winfrey puts it, to live the life you want. People who fall into treating the rosary and prayer like these things, they're not threatening because none of that's prayer. For Catholics, we believe prayer is the living relationship of the children of God with their Father who is good, beyond measure, with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. When that is your belief, when that's what you're striving for, then prayer is threatening to many people for many reasons, which is what we start to hear about in today's scriptures. In that first reading, we hear one of the most dramatic examples of how prayer can be threatening. But a little context here. Moses had just led God's people, the Jews, out of Egypt, out of slavery. Moses had kept going to Pharaoh and was saying, the Lord God wants Israel, and he wants his people to be free, to worship him and him alone. And the Pharaoh would not believe in the Lord God, he wouldn't listen to his voice through Moses, and had hardened his heart. Egypt had come up with their own gods including the pharaoh himself being treated as a divine being. So that was a a world and a culture that had gotten used to worshipping the things of creation rather than the creator. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So you might remember all those plagues that happened, the waters turning to blood, the frogs falling from the sky, and then the eight others... Those were all ways that the Lord God was showing the Egyptians. They were not just wrong in their beliefs. Those plagues were all using things that they had been worshiping and had made into these gods. So the Lord God was showing them how utterly powerless they were before him. But he was also telling them that these beliefs were holding his people in bondage. The Israelites were his people and he was their God. And if Egypt didn't listen to Moses and pay attention to these signs, it wouldn't end well for them, which it didn't, which is what led to Passover and the exodus from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, where the Jews were crossing on dry land, and when the Egyptians decided they wanted to pursue them one more time, ends with Pharaoh and his armies being completely drowned as God closes the Red Sea in on them. So, in today's reading, we're now joining them a few weeks later as they're journeying through the desert en route to Mount Sinai. And they're being threatened by another group of people, the Amalekites, who had killed off the weakest of the Israelites, the ill, the elderly, the poor, children. It seems the forces of evil, this culture of death, was taking advantage of the most vulnerable. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And this time, we see Moses directs his people to fight while he prays. So we see that God is calling his people to faith and to action, to prayer and to work. Couldn't God just have annihilated this threat? Well, yeah, we just reflected on that. He did all those plagues. Why didn't he do it now? Because they're not slaves anymore. When the Egyptians had treated them like that, and when the Jews believed that about themselves, that that's all they were, that they were just slaves, that was one of the things that infuriated the Lord God. And he heard his people's cries, and he issued that warning. Egypt wasn't interested in the Lord God and what he had to say. They had pyramids to build. They had economies to build and to crush. They didn't want God, and they wanted people just to be obedient to them. The more things change, The more they stay the same and that's what led to that showdown but now they're not slaves anymore they're free men and women and god's people can only come to know that true identity by prayer by being in communication with god and cooperating with his will and so we hear moses raising god's rod basically imploring god's power We hear Moses' brother Aaron and his friend Hur helping him to remain faithful to that prayer. And we hear the people engaged in physical battle. But more importantly, God's people engaged in prayer to fulfill their will, their destiny, to be faithful to him and the identity he had given them. So yeah, ask the Amalekites how threatening prayer was. Which brings us to the Gospel. For weeks now, on Sundays, we've been hearing from St. Luke these different parables and stories that all were taking place as Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem. Jesus is heading there to face his unjust arrest and trial, his horrific passion, his death on the cross. And so his heart and his mind have been both focused on what he's about to experience and accomplish and is trying to prepare his followers for what's to come for both him and for themselves. And the passage can be a little bit difficult to follow, especially with that parable that can be very easily misunderstood. So we have to remember Luke's opening words. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. So that's setting the stage. Jesus himself, God incarnate, is constantly seen going into prayer, and he wants his disciples to imitate him. And then he shares that kind of bizarre parable. Widows weren't just women who had lost their husbands in Jesus' time and age. They were some of the most vulnerable people that were taken advantage of on multiple levels. They weren't pitied. They were oftentimes ignored. And in this story, Jesus has her going to a judge, this government official, who is known to be crooked, known to be self-centered, only interested in taking care of himself and his cronies, the more things change. And this powerless, anonymous widow is seen going to him day after day, week after week, not demanding anything outrageous, not even sharing her valid and understandable woes. She's simply asking for justice. She's simply asking that a wrong that someone did to her be addressed. And the judge is literally sick of hearing from her that he finally decides, let me just do this thing so I never have to hear from her again. Jesus uses that to say, the Lord God who delivered his people from slavery The Lord God who made them his people and has helped them to overcome every threat to their identity and their destiny, that same Lord God is now before them, flesh and blood in Jesus. And as they've seen and heard him preach and experienced the most vulnerable being seen and called by name and loved and healed with all those powerful miracles, Jesus is trying to say, how much more God wants to do for you and with you and through you than this judge did for this widow. And as beautiful a realization as that truth is, the world was very threatened by Jesus. The Romans, many of the Jewish leaders, and everyone in between, they were all navigating this very tenuous truce and agreements that they had where they were all jockeying for power and authority and wealth. So having God incarnate on the scene to upset things was very, very threatening, which is why he ends up on the cross. But when he rises from the dead and he enables us to receive the gift that is his Holy Spirit to work for us and with us and through us, when he gives us the means to be transformed and to transform the world into his kingdom, you better believe that's threatening to a whole lot of people. Especially as we take a look at the world that we live in. A world where the word love has been manipulated to align with a person getting what they want. Where sex is treated simply as a recreational activity. Where money is far more important than people. We're living in a world that seems unfazed by churches being vandalized, or when clinics and centers that want to help women with difficult pregnancies and offer a life-giving alternative to abortion are being firebombed. We see Christians being canceled by the woke mob who preach in the name of diversity and inclusion, a very different message where deadly sins are being celebrated and those who question or object are silenced and fired. When we engage in authentic prayer, and that authentic relationship with the living God, it's threatening because we're rejecting our world. And in one sense, it's great that the world recognizes that because at least they're clear in their beliefs and they're not trying to hide anything anymore. They make it very clear clear, they do reject the Lord God. They're comfortable with Jesus on the cross. They want him to stay there and they want his followers to cower in fear Imagining the same is going to happen to them if you get out of line. But we know the rest of the story. We know that for thousands of years, people have looked to that cross, knowing that was far from the end. That the same Lord God, who freed His people, God the Father raised His Son from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, and has given everyone baptized into the life and death of Jesus a new identity, where we're not just God's people anymore. We're his beloved sons and daughters. And when we say that, that's threatening. In a world that's trying to confuse and redefine and make up new identities, we have an eternal identity as God's beloved sons and daughters. And we, when we engage in true authentic prayer, that's threatening and it makes us a threat. But it leaves us to ask ourselves, Will we remain confident in His love when people are shouting words of hate? Will we trust in Him when people threaten us with being cancelled for making that choice? Will we believe in His promises to remain with us, most especially when we face opposition and all kinds of unjust situations? And more importantly, as Jesus asks at the end of today's Gospel, When he returns, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth?